DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Rome. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with the Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as the prior of Sant'Anselmo's in Rome. The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We now begin part two of our conversation with Father Mauritius, discussing the Holy Rule, monastic life, living in community, and how we can live it out in the world. The good thing uh, of uh, monastic life is that we have the rule. I would say we are kind of experts in community life. So one issue, there are many issues, but one might be how to live together as different generations. So the Christian type of monasticism has all generations under one roof. As you know, Buddhism, for example, has monasticism too, but you, as a Buddhist monk, you can live maybe for one or two years as a monk and then leave the monastery again, just temporarily being a monk. The Christian concept of monasticism, monasticism is like a family. You enter this family and then you stay until you die. So in a Christian monastery, you have all generations. In our monastery, the youngest is 24, the oldest is 74. Imagine how differently these human beings are brought up. Very different. Imagine how differently they were influenced by how the church was at, at that time. So they are the three Vatican people and they are the Vatican II shaped people and there's the younger generations. You have all of them under one roof. You know, in the, in the church, the world, we, we can kind of hide from one another, these different groups, and peer groups and generations. And in the monastery, we cannot. We see one another every day. What helps is prayer, to pray together around the same, very same Lord and God who dwells among us. But what also helps is what the rule recommends. And I may quote again. The younger monks, then, must respect the seniors, and the seniors must love the juniors. Whenever brothers meet, the junior asks his senior for a blessing. When an older monk comes by, the younger rises and offers him a seat, and does not presume to sin as the older bids him. In this way, they do what the word of Scripture say, says. They should each try to be the first to to show respect to the others. I love this passage. It balances the relationship between the younger ones and the older ones. So the younger monk is supposed to respect the seniors. 
in the senior should laugh the junior. I like how this is formulated. It is not that the younger one should love, the elder one should respect him, his experience. But the older one shouldn't be proud in terms of, I have experience, blah, blah. But he should love the younger one in his imperfect way. You know, he's just beginning his journey. So it is to find the right, the right, relationship between the generations and as as uh, from my experience it is just a gift to have all generations under one roof incredible important the older ones they bring they bring peace and peace and a little bit of distance to the world and to things that are happening they bring the experience confidence The young ones have the excitement, they have the fire, they have the new ideas. It is so necessary. The middle ones, they have to balance, so to speak, both sides and to help to keep them together and to make the right decisions. So, or maybe another example, if I may add this, St. Benedict says, if really important things have to be decided, call All brothers together, gather them all, especially also the younger ones, discuss the matter, and finally the abbot decides. If only minor things have to be decided, it is sufficient if just the seniors decide. Very interesting. So, for the more important things, call the younger ones. That means it is about their future. Mm. It's about their future. They have to be involved. If it is about minor things, you could think this is something for the younger ones. You know, they want to make their world, and but this is not so important. Don't go after that. Um, let the older ones decide this because they have the experience. It is not so important anyway. <laughs> so. But out of the experience, they will make the right decision. And if not, it's not a problem. It's just a minor thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. So these are concepts. You cannot implement them fully. But at least these are recommendations that I could, I could mention. Hundreds others of, of those recommendations given in the rule that help the different kinds of people and generations to live together in a peaceful way. Once again, this translates very powerfully in the family. And the sadness, not only in the United States, North America, I would venture to say also in Western Europe, but even in some other parts of the world where not just a nuclear family where there's the, the parents and the younger children, who unfortunately in some cases feel the pressure that somehow they have to leave at age 18, that somehow that is a, the door opens, all their things are out and they're gone. But also the lack of extended family in that we're separated from the elders, whether they be grandparents or great aunts, uncles, those who can provide the wisdom. It, it's a, it's a tragic occurrence because of our vulnerability 
that we have found that separation. I mean, to, to gather once a year for a family gathering mm-hmm. or for special occasions mm-hmm. doesn't allow that community aspect mm-hmm. of that kind of bumping into each other and having mm-hmm. to work in virtue mm-hmm. to remedy an issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. I'm amazed to meet here in Nebraska uh, these farmer families. Sometimes you still find these all generations under one roof and this a sense of unitedness. And I think it's a cultural thing that we cannot continue like this because of the kind of work we do. But it just came, came into my mind, maybe the, the parish could be a secondary family mm-hmm. in a way, because in the parish you still find, hopefully, all generations. And learning how to foster in that interaction between the dialogue between the, those generations as a reality and not just an exercise. I think that's that would be very key. And again, the younger ones are not supposed to love the older ones. They can complain. Uh, Benedict had no problem with this. They should respect the older ones. But the older ones should not say, oh my goodness, I wouldn't like to be young anymore in both things. They should say, I love you and I want to give you hope and I want to give you whatever you need to help you through this life as long as I live. Mm-hmm. Wow. But also, when you have an engagement in community, you're ultimately going to have those times when either intentional, maybe more unintentional, there will be conflicts, injury, harm, and that's when the golden rule in but also to forgive. And that's part of the, the, the great Our Father, the prayer that Jesus would teach mm-hmm. us. Yes. Forgiveness is a key in a community. And St. Benedict knew about this and recommended to pray the Our Father loudly at, at, the, at the end of every prayer where we say, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. This is key. If we don't forgive, community life becomes not bearable. There's so much poison always there. So forgiveness is like to restart. So to to clean the whiteboard and say, we start again with the help of God. And the very last prayer uh, of the day, the Compline, the night prayer of the monks, starts with this silence that gives us the chance to reflect on the day, especially on those things where we sinned. So we have this... uh, revision of our day and our, what has happened and then ask the Lord for forgiveness. And then St. Benedict says we shouldn't, or that goes back to the Holy Scriptures, um, we shouldn't take our anger with us when we go to bed. Um, so forgiveness, the best time to forgive is at night before we go to bed. In the monastery, 
now more practically again, we have the custom that we twice a year meet to a so-called culpa. Culpa is the Latin word for the guilt or sin. What we do is we share about our shortcomings. Everybody is invited to tell the others, this is where I failed and where I hurt you, the community or individuals, and I'm sorry for that. And this is a powerful means to clean the community. The community has to be cleansed one in a while, once in a while. Lent is a perfect time for this. So not only the individual has to take care of that he keeps his soul clean as much as possible, but the community as well. Boy, it really sheds a light on the the actions of Pope Benedict XVI. When I remember when he came to America, and though he is not a Benedictine monk, he had there's so many aspects of the rule you could tell that he lived by. That when he came, there was this great cloud because of the scandal that had plagued the church for too many years. He the the press was ready to scrutinize and what would he do immediately even on the plane before it landed was asking for forgiveness acknowledging the community's action the church at large and the and that its failures to act the importance of doing so and quite literally in some cases he almost was pleading for understanding and forgiveness it was really quite dramatic. And that as soon as the plane landed, it changed the whole dynamic and the tenor of the engagement of His Holiness when He was here. That, that is really a way to experience God when you experience His forgiveness and when you share this forgiveness with others. This is when really God comes into the scene because you cannot explain what forgiveness means. Basically, you always have reasons to be angry at somebody else. And they are true reasons. You don't make it up. It's, it's just a gift, a gracious gift to say, it's okay for me. You can start anew. It's okay. I'm not grumbling anymore. There's nothing left. Let's start again. This you can exercise in a community very well. And helpful for this is customs, rituals. So we don't discuss discuss every day when we share this forgiveness. We have this ritual at the beginning of Compline, night prayer. We have this ritual in the Lenten season and in Advent. And so it just happens. You need those customs and rituals in a community. You cannot always discuss everything. It's not possible. The group dynamic is strong enough to, to bring dynamic, but you need, as a complement, you need clear structures, clear rituals that help the community to be alive and in touch with God. We'll return in just a moment to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. The St. Benedict Center, an oasis of peace in the midst of Nebraska's corn and bean fields, 
is a nonprofit ecumenical retreat and conference center founded by the missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory. As Benedictines, they share their hospitality and spirituality with those who search for personal and spiritual growth. They welcome individuals and groups of all Christian denominations as they seek God in a peaceful and quiet setting. They provide an atmosphere that is conducive to prayer, rest, and renewal for laity, clergy, and religious. The facility sits on 160 acres of farmland across the road from Christ the King Priory in Schuyler, Nebraska. They offer a place of retreat for seekers of God and for people who are tired of living in a noisy world and want to be alone in order to listen to the Lord. They invite individuals for private and directed retreats. They offer retreat programs that help to get in touch with the mystery of God within each person and in all reality. And they give guidance toward a healthy and more authentic spirituality, but also toward better self-knowledge and toward coping with difficult human situations. For more information about the St. Benedict Center, call 402-352-8819 or you can find them online at stbenedictcenter.com Prayer to St. Benedict O glorious St. Benedict, sublime model of all virtues, pure vessel of God's grace, behold me, humbly kneeling at thy feet. I implore thy loving heart to pray for me before the throne of God. To thee I have recourse in all the dangers which daily surround me. Shield me against my enemies. Inspire me to imitate thee in all things. May thy blessing be with me always, so that I may shun whatever God forbids and avoid the occasions of sin. Graciously obtain for me from God those favors and graces of which I stand so much in need, in the trials, miseries, and afflictions of life. Thy heart was always so full of love, compassion, and mercy toward those who were afflicted or troubled in any way. Thou didst never dismiss without consolation and assistance anyone who had recourse to Thee. I therefore invoke Thy powerful intercession in the confident hope that Thou wilt hear my prayers and obtain for me the special grace and favor I so earnestly implore, if it be for the greater glory of God and the welfare of my soul. Help me, O great Saint Benedict, to live and die as a faithful child of God, to be ever submissive to His holy will, and to attain the eternal happiness of heaven. Amen. We now return to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual guide for today's world with Father Mauritius Fildi. Yeah, I would say for women, we can definitely benefit from a discipline that would keep us from talking too much. <laughs> Unlike men that may, of course, I'm doing all kinds of uh, caricatures, but men who are um, a little bit harder at pulling out feelings or just issues that may be lurking underneath. Father, what would you say is an authentic act of forgiving? There will be those who will come and say, I am sorry, 
and will you forgive me? And we may say yes, but on the surface, we continue to hold on to mm-hmm. it. What's the dynamic going on there? Mm-hmm. You find yourself like this. Forgive yourself or believe that God forgives you even there that you cannot fully forgive yet. So forgiveness is a gift given by God. If you still cannot receive this gift fully, don't worry. I think this is very obvious for if you have ever become a victim. Um, So it is mostly too early to say, okay, I forgive. This is might happen someday that you can deeply forgive. It is not so necessary. I think it's necessary to believe everybody has the deep desire to forgive. This at least what I sense. Everybody wants to forgive. Um, but to be able to forgive is a gift as well. And if we just partly forgive, that is something. God, it. I recall that our Lord even hanging on the cross after such a betrayal and a, a, a treatment. I mean, so cruel. He cried out, Father, forgive them. He didn't say, I forgive you. He said, Father, forgive them. Sometimes maybe that's what we have to do if we find ourselves in a situation. Just turning it over to the Father isn't a step, maybe in the right direction. That is wonderful. And also to acknowledge the own sins and shortcomings. So it's always, for me, humbling when I see my own shortcomings, it is easier for me to forgive the others too. So only when I feel myself being righteous and I am right, then I am not ready to forgive. When I experience forgiveness, it's easier to forgive as well. To probe just a a little deeper, because I think this is a potential issue that all of us experience, including the man or the woman who would go into monastic life. But for all of us, as we come into a community, a workplace, a new family, whatever it is that as we grow into adulthood, there are those things that potentially from our childhood, those hurts, those wounds, the lack of forgiveness, the unforgiveness that we've experienced with a a parent that kind of haunt our ability to be able to interact. Those things in that virtuous ideal setting help to heal that as well? Absolutely. Um, What we experience in our monastic communities is that most of the thorns that arise, most of the problems that are there are not caused by the confreres, by the other brothers, they go way back to the youth or childhood of the individual confrere. So each of us, each of us has his backpack and carries his stuff from the past. This is at least our experience. There are very, very few really holy men. There there are confreres you can consider as it's almost holy that you see they are so pure, they are so so holy, they there is nothing or not so much uh, 
perversity or whatever in this person. But most of us, I would say the average, has quite a backpack of, of things. And so this also makes it easier to forgive because it goes way back. And on the other hand, um, at a certain point, we have to acknowledge that we have problems that derive from the past and then go from there. We cannot always blame the past. We have, to, yeah, we, we can believe that God wants to heal us and makes everything good and, and wants to make us happy and has called the brothers as instruments to make us happy, to reach this uh, new life, this rebirth. So that openness to the others, that honesty, that ability to be able to trust and humility and bring forward all these things out in the open, it, it seems to be quite that relationship balm, may I use that, to kind of help heal those wounds. Right. And again, sometimes it doesn't feel comfortable. So when, you, when you're confronted with, with this, your character, and, but actually it's a gift that we give one another. It's a ministry that we stand back, that we bear this. And still stay and help the others also through their lives. Any final thoughts on community life? Mm -hmm. I am so glad that I belong to a community. I'm so glad about this. Actually, I, I wouldn't live anymore without a community. I suffered from stomach ache, and as a real man, I tried to just stand the pain, and I, I went to the doctor, actually, but he didn't find the, the real reason of this pain. So I struggled with this pain, and I would have stayed still in my room unless my brother, a brother, mine, my monastery, would have said, and you now go to the hospital. I came to the hospital, and they found that my appendix was ruptured. And the doctor said, another 10 minutes, and I would have died. So I'm so thankful, even to the point that my confrere saved my life. Without this, I would have been so stupid as it is. So. I need my confreres, and I guess somewhat they need me too. And it is good to have brothers, and I'm glad to be part of the community. Mm, what a blessing. Thank you, Father. You're very welcome. You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World with Father Mauritius Vildi. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. You can also hear it on the free Discerning Hearts app available on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. 
We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World with Father Mauritius Fildee.